Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss all things round. Welcome, Carly and David. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Miles. Okay, so I'm going to sound like an idiot asking this question, but I've heard you guys talk about this. And when is round round? Like, how do we know round is round? Am I making any sense? You know what I'm saying? It sounds like a hit record. <laughs> oh, don't don't get that earworm in my head, please. David, why don't you give us the shop point of view? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is you can ask any kindergartner and they can tell you what round is. But then when you go down the rabbit hole of finding out what round is, you find out there's a whole lot of math behind round and nobody really knows what round is <laughs> until you start digging into this. But... Uh, so when you said math, I instantly zoomed back to college. And the first thing my professor said was, put the units down and then the numbers. So what are the units for roundness? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I come up with a lot of different things about what the units of roundness were. Undulations per rotation, <laughs> sinusoidal undulations. But really, GD&T says that that you're going to have a circumscribed circle and an inscribed circle. And you're going to measure those highs and lows around the diameter. And so you're going to get that D max minus D min, and that's where you're getting your out of round. And that's going to tell you how close you are to true roundness. A perfect circle would have a circumscribed circle with the inscribed circle being identical. So those two circles would just be a singular circle drawn, but then you're out of round is the difference between those two circles. Holy cow. All right. So then when we're talking about round, it's disc, not fear, sphere. Well, is that right? Well, both, both are round. Both exhibit roundness. Uh, a disc exhibits it. It's, right. it's, it's like flat a, like in flat land. CD. This exactly. Kind of thing. All right. right. We ignore that tiny little well, vertical. Yeah, axis. for our purposes. But for a sphere, that roundness is around a center in three dimensions, not just two. Okay. So to have a round, we really have to have identified axial center. So what's an axial center? <laughs> so it's the axis of rotation. So to create a circle, we can take a string and we can take a pin and we can put a pencil at the end of the string. And then that, that string travel is constrained by its tension and that pin. Mm -hmm. And the line that is drawn is concentric, as David had said, to that, that axial center where we put the pin. Okay. Now do that in three dimensions and we've created a generated a sphere. So when we're talking about roundness of bars, what are we talking about? Well, roundness of bars would be having that concentric circle around an axis of the center of the bar. And then is the bar true to that axis? And so you have an inscribed circle and a circumscribed circle. The circumscribed circle goes around the highs of the bar and the inscribed circle goes around the valleys of the bar. And then how true is that 
to that axis. And if the variation between the peaks and valleys is essentially you're out of roundness. So, Carly, what what David is presuming you see in your brain that you have no idea exists is that the surface of the, the material, whether it's steel, brass, or aluminum, or, or stainless, or whatever, under very high magnification, it is not a smooth surface. There are peaks, there are valleys. Those peaks and valleys could have a pattern. They could have a direction. And so that's all part of surface texture or surface finish. But the ideal that we could generate using that that pencil constrained with string, that ideal surface would be around. In, in philosophical terms, back when we taught philosophy, that would be called a platonic solid. And so it would be a pure round cylinder, right? Mm-hmm. And it would be it would it would be smooth. In reality, <laughs> there are blemishes, there are asperities, there are high points and low points. What David is saying is at the top of those peaks, that is the external circle. That's his circumscribed circle. Mm-hmm. And then that circle at the bottom of the valleys, presuming it's still round, that, that would be the tolerance band for, the, for roundness. What can happen is the shape may not, in fact, be uniformly off the, off the center, uniform distance from the center. And so you could have an oval shape, an oblong, where on the north-south dimension, it's longer than on the east-west. Okay, so as you're describing this, I'm envisioning like a bald person, how yep. their heads are in quotes round, but there's actually little bumps, yeah. ups and downs and that kind of thing. Yes. All right, so I, I think I've got the right vision, but then David said something about out of round. What is that? Well, out of round is the distance between the two circles that you draw. So you have two circles that you've drawn. You've got your concentric circle or your circumscribed circle and your inscribed circle. And the distance between those is the distance that you're are varying from true roundness because true roundness is impossible to achieve. We can't actually make something that's perfectly round. And so everything that we deal with in machine tools has some variation of out of round. I mean, even when you've got a, a, a brand new lathe, the spindle will be some variation of out of round and it'll actually be um, have a total indicator reading of not zero. Okay, so you have these different rounds. <laughs> and I think I'm using that term loosely at this point. Is there a way to classify the not round rounds? I'm, I'm not. I think I made that up. But. Well, well, there is. So there are a number of words that people in the shop use to describe problems they have with roundness or lack of roundness, and so. I like to be clear and talk about circularity error. And again, we're talking about that circle, that pure form of a circle. And, and that's in relation to you know, the, the center, the axis. But we can have cylindrical, cylindricity deviations in that the shape may be right, but because the material is bent or lumpy, so to speak, in over its length, it won't fit in a perfect hole, even though 
the shape itself would fit in that perfect hole. We can also have what, what is called ovality, which I described where it's longer on one, you know, one clock face compared to another perpendicular to it. So from 12 to six, it's two thousandths. And from three to nine, it's only one thousandths difference. And so there's, it's oval shaped. So then we can get into the oval is like the perfect problem to have because I've only got one dimension of deviation, one axis of deviation. It's either short this way or short this way. But what if I have multiple deviations, which we call lobing? I've heard you talk about that. I have talked about lobing because lobing is the trickiest thing in our shops. Oil is slippery. Grease is even slipperier. But lobing, lobing is invisible to your eye and a two-point mic. Yeah, when you use a two-point mic, you check lobing, it'll check around. So you have to use three points of contact, whether you're using a 90-degree V-block and an indicator or you're using a V-block mic, you have to have those three points of contact to detect lobing. Because the lobing is always the high point is opposite the low point, it always gives you the average. Oh, so in the oval, it's long kind of on both ends, but with the lobing, it's concave on one end and convex on the other end. Well, it's kind of. In In a a perfect trilobular object, it'll check perfectly around in a two-point situation. Okay, so you have to measure three points. Do you automatically measure three points? No, and this is lobed or this is why it's slippery. That's why I made the claim (laughs) I did. I'm so confused. All right, help me out. Best practice when you're doing precision work and roundness circularity is a feature. Best practice is to not rely on tried and true. I always use my two point mic. I need to use three point gauging to assure that I'm not in a state of lobing. You have to do that for each bar? I need I need to be sure that my material, I need to qualify material before I put it gone. in. Right. Well, given a perfect work holding, now that's not true, but given perfect work holding, you should be able to hold your roundness within the roundness of your given spindle. So if you have a machine that's holding within four microns on the spindle, you should be able to hold that well roundness given perfect work holding. And so Generally, like from shot guy perspective, you always check your total indicator reading. That's like your cheater check. You get yourself a V block and you run an indicator around it. And that gives you an indication of roundness. It doesn't really measure your roundness, but it gives you an indication of that. Well, it's certainly going to give you a count on high spots and low spots, right? That's right. Okay. So is that true for all materials or just steel or how does this work? Well, materials. well, when we get back to the my original kind of what are the units of roundness question? Yes. What what is the specification for roundness or out of roundness? And in ASTM A one hundred eight, there's a table that gives us the permissible maximum permissible uh, deviation from roundness is one half 
the size tolerance. So if I'm plus nothing minus two, if I'm out of round more than one thousandth, I will be out of size tolerance. So the the material is rejected. The other specifications for purchasing materials, such as aluminum, stainless steel, I have not seen that language. Now, I take it as axiomatic that if my out of round is more than half the size tolerance, I'm out, I'm out of tolerance. But that's, a, that's a, a logical argument that's a bit too far for most people in commerce to take. Okay, this came up because did you guys get a member question on this? We we did, and it has like filled filled the the airwaves for the past for the past week. Dealing um, with roundness, dealing or with measuring this, roundness, dealing with trying to identify what's acceptable deviation for out around. Ah, okay. Now, in the end, it's it's ultimately about the customer requirement and and the contract review, right? Well, that's that's exactly right. And and quite frankly, regardless of what table A says in, in any spec, if a condition exists that prohibits you from using the material for its intended fabrication or purpose, on the face of it, that should be rejectable. But in a world increasingly filled with lawyers and legal, <laughs> legal, you know, legal approaches to every dispute, that's not always the easiest thing to enforce. And, and so we, we miss the fact that we're here to make quality parts, not to argue theology about how round is round. Taking into this roundness issue made me realize how little I actually knew about roundness. I know the practical knowledge of, hey, you throw it up on a block and, and check it on an indicator, and this gives me an idea and an indication of roundness. But uh, there's a lot more to it than that, and uh, this will allow people to dig into it with somebody that's very knowledgeable about the subject. Right. And if nothing else, we, we will have taken from this the fact that there's more to roundness than roundness and out of round. There's ovality, there's lobing, there's lack of circularity, there's cylindrical issues, there's concentric center issues. There's just a bunch of stuff that, well, it's not round. <laughs> so David correctly described the roundness as being, being the form that exists between two tolerances. And the maximum material condition of a round bar that is at the maximum material condition, that is the most the product can be and be compliant as, as, as interpreted as round. So if it's over the outside tolerance, it's not round. The inside concentric circle, that minus two that I'm fond of saying, okay, if it goes beyond that, then I'm no longer compliant with, it's no longer in that band between the maximum material condition and the minimum allowed tolerance. So that to me is what's out of round. Well, listeners, in case you haven't figured this out, I know just enough terms to be dangerous. I'm still trying to apply it to everything. So 
<laughs> and that wraps up today's podcast on roundness. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources for precision machining. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss one. Plus, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast where we talk to PMPA technical members and learn how they can help our shops. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership so important, Carly and David? Because Because we we are are better better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision.